Oma. We better just dismiss now. <laughs> hey, I want to look at a, a verse really quickly before we get started. And before, before even I, I open up with this verse, let's just pray together. God, I just pray right now that you speak through me over the next few moments. God, I'm going to bring a, a message today that's very important. God, that has, what I'm going to talk about today has eternal significance. And I just pray that, that every ear hears, God, that every heart accepts what I've got to say today. And God, I just pray that you speak through me, that every word I say is exactly what you want heard. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Um, so I want to I share something, Clayton, if you'll hang with me for just a second. Um, recently, I was heartbroken um, to hear about some things happening at a church. And... Um, it's, it's a church that's big and massive. They're, they're a non-denominational church. Don't worry, it's not like a Assembly of God church or anything. But uh, a lot of people had gotten in a lot of trouble. A lot of leadership in this church had gotten in a lot of trouble. The lead pastor of the church had to, had to resign as he was having charges filed against him. Police charges. And everything began to crumble. And the thing that hurt my heart is, is this. Unfortunately, when, when churches begin to fall apart, people fall apart as well. Because so many times our identity is wrapped up in our pastor or the music or the programming. Let me tell you something, family. If you ever put your identity in anything other than Jesus, you're going to fall apart at some point. Because if you put your identity in me, guess what? I'm going to fail you. I don't, I'm trying not to do it today, but I will fail you. We'll, we will have a disagreement. I will hurt your feelings. You might hurt my feelings. And uh, now I do ask you this. People get mad and leave churches. I want you to promise me, pastor, I won't get up and leave without talking to you because I'm your friend. I was your friend before I was your pastor, a lot of you. Okay. And listen, I will fail you. You know what? I might miss that visitation or I might miss that thing or I might say something wrong and I will fail you. And if your identity is tied up in JB, and I fail you, you're not going to know what to do. You're going to break apart. And so I was so heartbroken with this church. And I thought, wow, I, I, I don't even know what to say about this. And I listened to another pastor and he said, do you know what the problem is? And I said, no, I really don't. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated that this happened because a lot of people are going to leave the faith completely because of this. And he said, here's what happened. He said, this church stopped teaching about consequences. And it blew me away. And I thought, oh my gosh, has this generation stopped teaching in church about consequence? And I think that for some, the answer is unfortunately, yes. And here's the thing, family, when, and we can see this in our society, when we stop teaching consequences, then consequences abound. Why are people so hateful to each other? I'll tell you why. Number one, it's a sin problem. But you can get on this thing right here. Anybody ever had road rage? Come on, I've had it a little bit. I'm so sorry. I, I, I repent. But you honk at people. You wouldn't do that in normal life. But you feel 
like you're anonymous. And so you get on social media on this thing right here. They have no idea who you are. So you can be as mean as you want. And there's something sinful in our nature that wants to be like that. And that's why God wants, that's why when we get close to God, we stop doing those things. But we're so used to being anonymous and we're so used to not valuing the feelings and the heart of other people that that translates into real life. And we're seeing that. And what that is, is people aren't faced with consequences anymore. And so today I want to begin a series called Final Destination. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what happens. What are the ultimate consequences of our actions? Because family, let me just tell you right now, the Bible teaches that there are ultimate consequences. And those consequences can be good as in reward, or those consequences can be not so good as in punishment. And so we're going to dive into that, and we're going to talk about that. And I believe that probably everybody sitting in this room believes that, that, that the Bible says those things. But I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to be found as a pastor not teaching what the Bible says about eternity and consequence. And so we're going to dive into this over the next few weeks. Okay? That's all right? We might skip one night. We might skip on Mother's Day and not preach about heaven and hell on Mother's Day. But we'll see. We'll see what we'll do on that. <laughs> anyway, Clayton, thank you, brother, for backing me up. Let me read this really quick. Um, so I want to talk to you about eternal consequences. And what is the Bible? How do you get to eternity, family? There comes a time in each one of our lives where the cycle of life must end. There was a beautiful moment where your mom and your dad were just so overjoyed and brought you into the world and your life. Of course, I believe that life begins at conception. And that's what the Bible teaches, and that's what we ought to believe. And come on, somebody, we ought to stand up for that. But there was a moment where you were brought into the world, and you were just screaming and hollering, and come on, and it was a beautiful thing. And, but there is also a moment when you will leave this world. And I think that, especially my generation, we have a hard time accepting that. And can I just be real with you? When my daughter was born, when they laid that baby on her mother's chest and she just sat there and her little eyes were just looking all around and, and uh, I got right in her face and, and I said, hey, I'm your dad. And she started screaming. I don't know why. But it hit me like a ton of bricks, Terry. I am mortal. I'm not an immortal person. Every decision I make now impacts this baby everything and it y'all it freaked me out for a little bit and I sat there you know we we, we had Piper at Minden Medical and, the, and they have you hold the baby for an hour I'm sure a lot of places do that but you have to hold the baby for an hour and just everybody kind of chills out for a minute and um and so we sat there and for that hour that's one of the only things I thought about was wow everything I do now matters a lot more than it did yesterday and so listen family we have consequences and so what does the Bible say? Hebrews 9, 27 says, people are destined to die once and then face judgment. Let me read what the NLT says. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. Listen, I'm, I'm not here. I love having a happy Sunday morning sermon, um, but I got to tell you this because it's real. 
we can't live like we're going to live forever. You know, we can't live like our, cons- our, our, our actions don't have consequences. And I think especially those of us who are younger, we get in these, um, we get in these, the, these times, these seasons of our lives where we just kind of live like however we want because we forget that everything has consequences. Come on. And so the Bible tells us right here that there comes a point in your life where you are going to stand and everything you did is going to have a consequence. Okay. Now, again, that doesn't, not everybody's going to be punished. Not everybody's going to make it to the end and say, wow, I really messed up. I think a lot of people are going to have a reward. We're not going to get too far into that today because I want to give heaven and I want to give hell their own, uh, their own sermon to unpack what really the Bible says. So listen, so for the next few weeks, we're going to kind of look at this. So for thousands and thousands of years, mankind has wondered what happens. What happens after we die? Now, the Bible speaks about this. The Bible tells us that, that there is an eternity, that there is something after um, some people don't believe that. They think you just go to sleep and just you just quit existing forever. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible talks very clearly about what happens in the afterlife. Um, but looking at this verse from, from Hebrews, it specifically says that... Um, that there is a judgment. And so let me just, let me give you two options here that the Bible speaks about. Uh, There's option one, and that is uh, heaven, which is dwelling directly with Jesus. Come on, that sounds good, right? That sounds like something we want to go for, right? And then there's option two. And option two, Jesus called Hades. We say hell, okay? And that's not something we want to do because here's the thing, and I'm going to talk about sin this morning. But when we have sin in our life, we cannot dwell with God because he's holy. Let's think of it like this. Let's look, look at the sun. If you go outside for too long, what happens to your skin? Come on, some of us know, some of us gentlemen know, you get outside too long with one of these in the sun, and you will know. It will, you don't want a burnt head, okay? You do not want a burnt head. And so if you get... Let's say you were in a spaceship and you got really close to the sun. What would happen? You would just, you'd be gone, okay? And so think about that. This is the, the way that ancient people thought about God that, or compared him to the sun. Because God is so holy and is so perfect that if our imperfect self gets close, we can't even exist close together, okay? And so that's why Isaiah, when he, he had a vision and he woke up and realized he was in the midst of God, he was in God's presence, he said, I'm undone. I'm going to die because I'm a sinful person. And that's when God revealed to him that there was coming a day when redemption would happen, where we could dwell again with our Savior, you see, or, or with our God. You see, um, when Adam and Eve, when, when, when mankind fell, in the beginning, in those early days, we had to leave. We had to move away from God because that unholiness entered our lives. Sin is behavior that is contrary to the character of, and command of God. 
It separates us from him. It separates us from his plan for us. Come on, past, present, and future. What do I mean by that? When we live in sin, family, there's consequences. And we can remember the consequences of our past. Now, we don't let our past define us because we believe that Jesus is our redeemer and he has fought for us. And we can, you know what? We can remember the past as a testimony, but the past does not have to define our future. But living with sin in your life can definitely define your present and it can alter what happens in your future. Let's say someone decides that they want to uh, steal some things. That could definitely alter your future, okay? Because stealing is illegal, all right? And so that could definitely alter your future. But the thing that it alters the most is your present. And let me just say something to the parents in the room, to the leaders of the households in the room. When you live in sin, when you live with sin in your life, it alters not just your present, but the present of those around you. So parents, when you live with sin in your life, when you entertain this sin, and again, what is sin? Sin is living in a way that is contrary to the character and command of God. So we know that God is true. So we walk around telling lies. That's sinful because that's contrary to his character. We know that God is just. So we walk around doing unjust things. That's sinful. Okay. We look at God's command. You know, God says, be loving. I think that you can sin by being unloving. I think that people are out there saying things and, and doing things that are, that are very hurtful. And I think that can be sinful, family. And so when we, when we live in sin, when we have sin in our lives, uh, we're doing things that are, that are contrary to the character and command of God. And those things have consequences. Let's look at Romans 6. It says, what consequences did you get from doing things that you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, you have the consequences of a holy life. And the outcome is eternal life. The wages that sin pays are death. But God's gift is eternal life in Christ Christ. Jesus, our Lord. Family, sin kills. It kills. It kills what? It kills relationships. Come on. It kills dreams. It kills. I think that sin can kill you as a person. I think it can kill you literally dead. I think that we allow, when we allow sin, even when it's hidden, come on, can I get real? I think a lot of people carry little sins that, well, maybe they're not little, but they, they have hidden sin in their life. And you might be thinking, man, why can't, I just can't get ahead. I just can't get, I just can't seem to get past this point in my life. Maybe you're thinking, you know, you're not walking close enough with God or something. You want to do something more in the church or you want to do something more. And, and, uh, and you're like, why can I not move past this point? I think you need to check yourself. Is there some hidden sin? I think that uh, you say, maybe I've got like a really bad temper lately. Um, I want to just share something with you. There was a band that I had listened to a lot, and God convicted me of listening to that music, and I quit listening to them for a long time. And then years later, when I was a youth pastor, 
I, I ran across this band again and I started listening to their music. I was like, oh man, that's like nostalgia. I hadn't listened to this band so long. It makes me remember all these old times and all these old memories. And I also noticed something, family. I noticed that I started having a short temper. And let me tell you something. If you're a youth pastor, you can't have a short temper. You, it's, it's not allowed, okay? And so you've got to be patient with these young people because they're going through stuff. Come on, and it's your job as a youth pastor to help them get through it. And so I noticed that I started having a really short temper, and I, and I thought, man, what's going on? So I prayed about it. I said, God, why am I like this? Why am I having so much trouble? And he revealed to me very clearly, hey, you are allowing this sinful influence back in your life. Wow, it blew me away. It blew me away. And so sin can kill the things that you are trying to thrive in. How many people, how many have you heard of people that had great careers and great relationships, but they let sin sneak in and it killed those things dead? Sin kills. When, when this says the wages of sin is death, it doesn't just mean that you could literally die. It doesn't just mean that you could die eternally. It means everyday things in your life could begin to die. Family, we've got to make sure that we call sin what it is. We're seeing a society right now that doesn't like that very much. Our society does not like when sin is called what it is. And so we make up our own terms. Let me, and I'm getting a little little political here. We make up our own terms and we begin to make up our own identities that are sinful things, but we glorify them. And anytime you see a society begin to glorify sin, you see things begin to die. Prosperity begins to die. Come on. The goodness of life begins to die. Sin is, guys, sin is like a virus that just takes away the life. Come on, let me, let me preach to you this morning. Because I think that there are some of us here, you might be here this morning, you might be listening to this, and you've let some sin sneak in. Maybe you open the door. And you said, it'll be cool. It's just going to affect me. It's not going to affect anybody else. But it will. It's going to take you out. It's going to take the life out of you. Sin kills. I cannot stress that enough. When you live with sin, come on. Here's the thing, guys. When When you live with sin, see, hell is separation from God. And let me just say something. Don't let me offend you. Don't get up and walk out the back door. But your life literally can become a living hell. Because you're separated from God. When you live in sin, does God still love you? Absolutely. Can God still rescue you? Absolutely. But the life you live does not dwell with God. Let me be real this morning. Let me be real. When you're doing these things and you say, hey, I can make my own decision and I can make my own call, and it's okay if I live, it's okay if I live contrary to the call of God on my life. Because I can make the decision. We mess up. So, I'm going to wrap up real quick. Proverbs 13, 15 says, Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. What's the solution? Jesus is the Lord of life. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God made a way. 
Listen, he loved us so much that Christ tasted death so that we don't have to. Come on. I want you to remember that this morning. And I know I've been very brief, but it's a simple thing. When we allow sin to take a hold of us, when we allow sin to get in and take control, things begin to die. Would you stand with me? I want to just pray together and we're going to be dismissed.